everything. Can you hear me very well? Did I turn myself on? All right. Very good. Well, who had a good time at Harvest Fest on Friday night? Yeah. What an awesome evening that was. Man, we had a blast, and we're going to look at some video and stuff in a little bit and kind of celebrate the big evening that that was. It was absolutely awesome. But we're going to go ahead and open up this morning. Amen. Let's stand up together. I'll switch microphones till we get that figured out. I can yell really loud if you want, though. (laughs) Amen. There we go. Let's try that out. All right. Let's go ahead, and we are going to open up by speaking some faith over the United States of America. And as we keep saying, we're going to keep believing and declaring that our nation is coming to Jesus. Amen. And, of course, some would say, well, I'll believe that when I see it. Well, we're going to choose to walk by faith. Amen. And we're going to see great things happen in these end times. Let's go ahead and speak these words of faith together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise today. Yeah. All right, well, we're going to take a few minutes here to do our meet and greet time. So go find somebody, give them a nice high five, handshake, fist bump, pass out some hugs today. Just make sure everybody gets some love. Let's go.
can be seated. Uh, that crew registering your kids still. I just want to make sure all you parents know all of our classes are in their normal classrooms today. Um, newborn up through fifth grade. For those of you who are, who are with us for the first time, any middle school and high school students, so sixth through twelfth grade, only on Wednesdays right now. Um, however, we have grown to a place where we cannot combine classes anymore. So if you felt frustrated in where your student was going this morning, praise God for lots of kids here. Amen. Okay? Because we can't combo on the fifth Sunday anymore because there's no space. So they have to go to their regular classrooms. Um, Harvest Fest was awesome. Yeah. Was awesome. We were able to love on and serve um, just about 2,000 people. Yeah. It was a wonderful, wonderful night. And Amen. if you haven't seen the video yet, you can watch it now. All right. My name is Trimanisha, and this is Avaria. Hi, Hi, Avaria. So, is this your first time here at the HGWC Harvest Fest? Yes, it is. Ooh, exciting. So, what has been your favorite part of the night so far? Um, I love, basically, I love everything about it so far. You guys have so many different things to do, and you guys, like, took a lot of time to put it together. And I love that so many people are at a church event. Malaya. Malaya, that's a beautiful name. Um, is this your first time here at the Harvest Fest? No, it's actually my third. Ooh, exciting. So what has been your favorite part of the night? Um, probably the concert. The concert? That's my favorite part. Hello, sir. Is this your first time at Harvest Fest? Uh, no, I've been here like 15 years in a row. So out of all the Harvest Fest, what's been your favorite thing to do here? Um, let my kids run around and have fun. How many years have you been coming to the HGWC Harvest Fest? This would be my sixth year. Sixth year? Wow. What's your favorite part or what are you looking forward to the most? My favorite part is watching all the community come out, all get to see and hear about the Word of God, and then watching all the families just have fun and enjoy their time. Foremost, thank you yeah. 
for making it possible. Thank you for making time. Thank you for working tirelessly. We're very, very, very grateful for that. Um, There were salvations had uh, at Harvest Fest. Yes. So it was wonderful. And all of the adults who filled out one of those cards um, out of 1,300 that we received, almost 300 of them received uh, a text to invite them to service as well. So that was amazing. Um, This Friday, if you are able, we would like to thank you. We would like to have a big family dinner. And we would like to rent a bounce house just for your kids because we know what it's like to come and to serve as a whole family. And we know that sometimes they don't get to do as much fun things. So if you are at all able, 6 to 8 o'clock this Friday, November 3rd, uh, we would like to thank you right here, 6 o'clock Friday night. Okay? Um, Also, this Thursday, November 2nd, is the BCMA Yes. Business owners, Christian business owners <laughs> yes. lunch. How am I? That's a long thing. So if you are a Christian business owner or you know someone who's a Christian business owner here in town, there are some cards on the info booth that you can take and invite them. The Barstow Christian Ministerial Association would like to get all the Christian business owners together so that they can pray over the marketplace and economy here in Barstow. Yes. That is Thursday, November 2nd, 12 to 1 at Crossroads Assembly. And it is a free tri-tip lunch. Yes. Amen. If you are not a business owner, no, you cannot come and eat, try, tip, and pretend. Okay? Anyway, uh, no men's meeting in November. I'm so sorry, bros, Bibles, and breakfast. Y'all can get together at Denny's or something, now. First Saturday, go have breakfast at Denny's. However, ladies, we do have a women's meeting. Yep. Yep, we do. So Friday, November 10th at 6.30, we're going to continue our study of the book of Ruth. It has been phenomenal. And this time we're going with a Mexican menu. So bring any Mexican food, right? right. It's just about tamale time. So go ahead and go ahead and bring some, right? Uh, And that also means you don't really have to cook unless you're just amazing at tamales. But I have a tamale guy. Anyway, baptisms are coming. Baptisms are coming. We've had lots and lots of salvations, and we have uh, lots of growth happening in each of you spiritually, and it's amazing. So, Brother Cletus, Rabbi Cletus, he's the dean of our Bible college, so all the students fondly call him Rabbi Rabbi Brown. Anyway, he is passing around the sign-up for our baptisms, which are going to be Sunday, November 12th. Make sure next to your name, if you need a PM, or if you're going to sign somebody up that needs a PM, write PM on there so we know how many we need to do in the evening, or if we need to do evening at all. It's kind of new for us, because we normally only do Sunday morning baptisms. But some of y'all got work schedules, you know. Anyway, sign up for baptism. If your kids are wanting to be baptized, make sure you have a conversation with them. Make sure that they understand what baptism is about. And if you would like to stop and ask some questions to us, we're all about that as well. The next thing coming after baptisms is our family Thanksgiving. Yeah, come on. (laughs) If you have not attended a church Thanksgiving before, it is awesome and so much fun. So half the sanctuary becomes our own little dining room and we decorate it like we would in our own home for Thanksgiving. You bring what you would bring to share. We'll have the sign up available on the info booth. 
you sign up for something to bring to share and make a lot of it and come and have Thanksgiving with us November 19th. So that'll be Sunday morning, November 19th. And the last and final thing, and I promise I'll stop, Enriched Food Pantry is in need of volunteers at HDWC Midtown at 800 Yucca. You can sign up at the information booth and leave your name and phone number and they will get in contact with you as well. If you are with us for the very first time or the first time in a long time, can you wave at me? Any? Any? No? Hi, I'm so glad that you're with us for the first time in a long time. <laughs> so glad that you're with us. Um, the welcome team will be glad to serve you. Sorry, welcome team. Did you miss her tiny little wave? Third row this side. It's Kayla, by the way. She's one of my youth students from a long time ago. I love you, ma'am. Okay. Um, last and final thing. I know I've said that twice now. The November devotionals are out. Very important that you grab one of these. It's what we read as a family. And on those days when you're like, oh, I just don't know what to read. I just, I want to connect with the Lord. I want to read my Bible. I want to be consistent. Get one of these. Yeah, it's like easy work. Yes. Just grab one. Um, also, if you have not been with us on Sunday evenings, you need to make a point to make that happen. Okay, pastor's been teaching on biblical finances, and if you are going paycheck to paycheck, or if you're struggling at all, or if you have so much money you don't know what to do with it, you best be in church and learn how God wants you to handle that, okay? Amen. You got to be a good steward. There also is a mini book. It is from Kenneth E. Hagan, How God Taught Me About Prosperity. Prosperity is not a dirty word. Right. Prosperity is what God does in you to allow you to be a blessing to others. Amen. It's him using you in other people's lives. So make sure you make yourself, yourself available to the bookstore and that you make a point to be out on Sunday night with us. Amen. All right. Very good. Well, who knows what time it is now? Yeah, amen. Pastor's going to come on up this morning. We're going to be doing our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. If you need an envelope, the ushers will get you one. And if you're going to give online, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving. Amen. Very good. Glory to God. Well, Pastor Katie already did all my advertisements, but... For, for this November devotional tonight, I'm going to start a series for all the month of November on, on divine healing and divine health. And tonight we're going to be teaching on taking a closer look at Jesus' healing ministry. Things are so simple when you know the Word of God. Jesus made things so easy. And I think about Pastor Dave teaching on the end times and all these different things going on right now. But the thing is, whether we go in the rapture or whether we stay, we have to know how to live in divine healing. Amen. We have to know how to get healed. And so it's it's really great for the times we live in, for all the different things have side effects, and this causes that, and that causes this, to know what Jesus causes. Jesus causes healing to come to your body if you need it. So anyway, I really I, I really encourage you to come on Sunday nights and, and learn a whole lot more about healing than what you ever knew before, and then you'll be able to receive healing. But... Uh, I think about the offering day. I saw that book there, how God taught me about prosperity. Well, that's Brother Hagin's book. But I'd like to teach how God taught me about prosperity. That's what that series was last month. Well, I want you to open up your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 22. 
And we're going to look at verse 6 and verse 7. And uh, the last few days, I've been thinking about Mrs. Pastor and I. We've been married for a lot of years. We raised eight children. And we went through a lot of hard times financially. But we never compromised the Word of God. We never compromised our Christian faith. And I'm thinking about all you uh, young families. I'm talking to everybody here today, the ones out there watching. But I'm thinking about people with children. And I'm realizing that uh, you've got more bills than what some of us older people have. But we had those bills for a lot of years. We made it for a lot of years. We came through it without compromising. And uh, I think about food. I mean, a couple people like us that are in our 70s, we go to the grocery store. And what used to cost us not that long ago, maybe uh, $50, $75, we're spending $200 now for a little bit of nothing. And so I think about people with children. People with children are spending a whole lot more, but you can do that without compromising your faith. You can do that without compromising biblical principles, because with God, nothing shall be impossible. Amen? And so I want to look at a couple of verses here. We've lived by these all of our life, all of our born-again life, as is Pastor and I, and this is a big key to you ones with families how to make it. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child when the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. And connected to that verse is this verse. The rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. The borrower is servant to the lender. You're never going to make it to any great degree if you live off of charge cards and credit. I want to say that again. The world's way is borrow and always be a servant to the people you owe money to. I think about the MasterCard. I remember that commercial first came out years ago. I was already a serious believer. And that thing came out and said MasterCard. That said shivers down my spine when I saw that name MasterCard. I thought Jesus is my master, not some credit card company. And then they started doing these commercials. You'd be watching a, a baseball game or something sponsored by MasterCard. And they'd show all kinds of stuff. And then they'd say, for everything else, there's MasterCard. Well, as we prospered and had a TV that had remote on it, every time I saw a commercial come, I would mute it. And I would say, for everything else, there's Jesus. Amen. Jesus is my master. Jesus is my provider. And I, and I wrote a note in my Bible back then that if I don't have cash for it, I don't need it. If I don't have cash for it, I don't need it. We live that way. I remember all the different people we knew that were going into debt, yet driving flashy cars and having all the newest fancy name brand tennis shoes, all those kind of things like that. They didn't have a family that was in order. Their kids were in trouble, didn't know who they were, what was going on. Everybody working two or three jobs trying, and this is way back years ago, working two or three jobs and letting somebody else raise their kids. Amen. We've got eight children. They're all moral, they're, they're all moral kids. Some of them more serious Christians than others, but they live right. And our grandkids, they live right. They came out right, but we followed some of the things. I'm just going to point out a few things to you about this verse and train up your children. Uh, number one says, train them up the way you should go. Set the right example for your children and grandchildren. Live right morally. Live right morally. 
And we, we years and years ago, we knew that if, if we couldn't watch it with our children, then we couldn't watch it. We knew we was not going to watch shows. And we said, okay, kids, get out of the room. Amen. You need to set the right example for your children, but that's connected to the financial thing. And so I'm just going to quickly tell you some little keys that were in that series taught last month on Sunday nights financially. Number one, I'm talking to you young families. You're going to have to get some discipline in your life financially. Make a budget. Don't live beyond your means. Amen. How many know that God doesn't like people to lie? Well, what I've seen, a big mistake that a lot of Christians make, they let their kids lead them instead of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. They know they got a big light bill coming up, and the kids want to buy the latest new computer thing. The kids want to go out and eat at all the Mickey Mouse places and everything like that, spend all kinds of money, and you know you got a light bill coming. So the light bill comes due, and then you call Edison, you say, I'm sorry, I don't have the money this month. Well, if you're going to be a truthful person, you're going to say, I'm sorry, my kids talked me into spending your light bill money to take them to do this or to buy this. Amen? Amen. You've got to have a budget. And we, years ago, would tell our children, we're sorry it's not in the budget. Amen. Our children got to know that. And so I, I remember... I've got, I've got a little note. I saw one of my books the other day from Pastor Dave when he's in high school. He said, Dad, is it in the budget to get me a class ring? He knew the terminology. He said, is it in the budget to get me a class ring? If it wasn't in the budget, we'd have found out how to get it. But that's how my children were taught. We trade them up the way she go. And then the thing about that, it says when they're old, they're not to part from it. Wouldn't you love for your children not to go through the debt cycles that you went through? Would you love your children to learn that Jesus is master over their finances, not MasterCard? Amen. How, 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 you know, I think about the interest rates now. I, I praise God that I don't have a charge card I live off of for these high rates. I don't have a car payment. Amen. I about got my house paid off because I'm not going to be master to anybody for anything. And I'm talking to the young families how to win in life. And so, and so start writing down and tracking what comes in. This is what I did years and years and years ago. I don't have to do it now, but years ago, I kept a notebook and everything we spent, I'd do it for a week, two weeks, sometimes a month at a time when I started getting in trouble again. I'd write down what came in at every penny I spent for that time period. I'd write down and I was shocked every time where my money was going until I started getting it together, cutting down things that didn't matter. And then also, make adjustments. Make adjustments. When you see where the money's gone, and you know that it's, that you've got enough, but you're spending it the wrong places, then make adjustments, and then start training your children, because you're supposed to train them. Train them, kids. We use our faith together for what we're doing, and right now, everybody else may be doing it, but we're not everybody else. We're us. Amen. We've got each other. And that's the main thing. We've got Jesus. That's the main thing. And then as you do that, and you've got to plan, you're following the plan. Number one thing on your plan is tithe. We never rob God. Number one thing was tithe. And all of our children, all of our children learn to tithe from an early age. And any money they got, they got birthday presents, gifts, uh, uh, gifts for Christmas, presents of cash. 
They would always give God a dime off the dollar for everything they received. That's worked really well. And then number two, after you tithe, look at your budget and pay your bills. And if you're still running short for things, then do what the Bible says to do. Use faith, believe God, start reading Philippians 4.19, and you and your family together say, but our God is supplying all of our need according to the riches and glory by Christ Jesus. If you do those things, they're all, they're all totally scriptural. And you've got God involved with your finances and your children, your children from an early age are going to know as they're growing older that I don't live off of charge cards. I live off of faith. I live off of doing right. Amen. Is that helping you young families? You know what? People are really having serious thoughts right now. And they're thinking, wow, 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 wow. I'm so convicted. I don't think we can do that. Jesus said, you can have what you say. So you start saying, I can take baby steps. I can start doing that because I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And there come a point in time. What, what, what thing I want to add to that? There come a point in time. That we were, we were so grateful when McDonald's started selling 25 cent ice cream cones. Because about once a month, we got our quarters together. We took all those kids to McDonald's. We got a 25 cent ice cream cone. We finally started getting some treats. And so for your life, you're going to have treat money without going in debt to do it. Amen. Let's stand up. Amen. Pastor Dave, I don't know if I got them warmed up very good or not. I think I stepped on their toes. <laughs> well, let's make our financial faith confession together and then bring our tithes and offerings up to the altar. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs are better jobs, promotions, raises and benefits, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord. Meet all my financial needs. So I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Feel free to join us at the altar for praise and worship today, and let's sing to the Lord together.
time, let's sing, Isn't He Worthy? Let's sing that together. Praise the Father, 
the morning that you rose, all of heaven held its breath. Till that stone was moved for good before the Lamb had conquered death. And the dead rose from their tombs, and the angels stood in awe for the souls of all who'd come to the Father are restored. And the church of Christ was born, and the Spirit lit the flame. Now this gospel truth of hope shall not kneel, shall not faint. By His blood and in His name, in His freedom I am free. For the blood of Jesus Christ, who has resurrected me. Praise the Father.
raise our hands together today. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. You are so good to us, Jesus. And Lord, we know that no matter what is going on in this world, that we have you by our side. And Lord, you told us in the book of John, you said, be of good cheer. In this world, you will, you will have trials. You will have some tribulations. But the good news is, I have overcome the world. And Jesus, we know that you have overcome this world. You have overcome anything and everything that may try to come against us in this life. And Lord, we are grateful and we can rest assured in the promise that we will be with you in heaven someday, Lord. And we know that in heaven, there's no more crying, no more sorrow, no more pain. You said, Revelation 21, that you would wipe every tear from our eyes and all of these bad things are gone forever as we are with you, Lord. And so we we love you, Jesus. We we. we we raise your name on high today and we honor you and we ask that you would have your way in this service, Lord. Speak to us. Lord, we want the truth. Speak to us the truth, Lord, because we know that the truth will set us free. And I pray that we are growing today. Our hearts are soft for the seed of the word of God. Our ears are open to hear the message that you have for us. We love you and we praise you. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, can someone say amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord some praise today. Amen. You can uh, give somebody a high five and then make your way to your seat this morning. Hallelujah. We're going to have, uh, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to say a good time. You know, we'll find out here. (laughs) We have quite the uh, message today that we're going to be sharing. And I notice, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a good day. Usually I like a real loud, hyped up uh, crowd and service. And, you know, today we're going to be talking about some heavy stuff. And I'm just simply, you know, I, I like to minister in a series of sermons. That's what we usually do. But right now with the seriousness of the state of our world, uh, I've just found it, you know, I'm just talking to God every week. What is it specifically we need to talk about this week? And so if you were here last Last week we talked about the rapture of the church and we saw clearly in the Bible how uh, Jesus Christ himself is going to come down one of these days, potentially very, very soon. None of us know, but from all of the world events that we see lining up, like the Bible said, it could be very soon where true born again Christians, okay? And, uh, and, and some of the things I'm going to say in this message and probably last week, they sound a little hard. They sound a little cold, but I found out that just uh, snuggling everybody and telling them, it's okay, don't change, everything's all right, you're going to be... I found out that that's just not getting the job done. So we're being a little bit straightforward and uh, and so what I'm trying to say is someday very, very soon, there is going to be an event take place that in Christianity we call the rapture. And 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 so what's going to happen, this is just review, born again Christians, okay? And 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 I say this, truly born again people, not fakers, not, not wannabes, not, yeah, I acknowledge that God's real, there's a higher power, that is not enough to say that you're a born-again Christian. Amen. And so a born-again Christian, somebody that's truly living for Jesus, we're going to hear the sound of a trumpet. Now, I don't know that 
everybody in the world is going to hear it. The Bible doesn't really say that. But I do know that born-again Christians living for Jesus will hear this trumpet, and then we will see Jesus Christ in the sky. The clouds will part, and Jesus is going to say, let's go. You're getting out of there right now because, listen, all hell's getting ready to break loose on earth, and I want I want you guys out of there, and we're going to go to heaven in an event called the rapture. And if you weren't here last week, you could just go back online to Facebook, YouTube, your podcast app and listen to all that and, and hear uh, the biblical teaching on that. Uh, and so I was talking to Pastor Katie last night when we were going to bed. She's like, what are you preaching on tomorrow? And, and, I, and I was like, well, let me, let me read to you my introduction, honey, for what I'm going to say tomorrow morning. And here's, here's what I wrote down for my introduction. If you were to ask any smart preacher in the world what to preach on the Sunday morning following Harvest Fest, when you're likely to have a bunch of new people at church, probably none of them would say, you should preach on the tribulation, the mark of the beast, and the Antichrist. Well, unfortunately for you guys, I'm not a smart preacher. And so I'm preaching today on the Antichrist, the Mark of the Beast, and the Tribulation period. So you're the fortunate crowd that gets to hear this. And uh, (laughs) probably not, you know, again, this is not what they would have told me in Bible college to preach on on a day like this. But, you know, we do live in very serious times. And we've talked about this for the last couple of weeks. And again, I want to get right to this because I'm going to I'm going to dive pretty deep, deeper than I've ever dived into this topic today. Uh, But really what's spurred all of this is the last few weeks uh, since October the 7th when we saw Israel invaded uh, by the terrorist group Hamas. And 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 so, so many uh, things just like fireworks started going off of what we would say was things that the Bible prophesied or predicted. And I remember on, it must have been October 14th, when we talked about this for the first time, we kind of explained, listen, the Bible in Ezekiel 38 and in the book of Daniel tells us that right there at the end, there's going to be a, a battle, a war called the, 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 the battle or the war of Gog and Magog. And it specifically points out how Israel will be invaded from the north, uh, from a, a kingdom of the distant north, which every Bible scholar that I've ever heard of agrees is Russia. And and then it says that Russia is going to team up with, uh, back then in the Bible times, what was known as Persia. Well, now in 2023, that nation is called Iran. And so we were talking about this on Sunday the 14th. Uh, and I just kind of told everybody, hey, if you see like Russia and Iran team up to come at Israel, that's when we know it's really, really getting serious. Well, on Monday morning, the 15th, I was at breakfast waiting for somebody I was meeting with and I just, they were running late. So I opened up my phone and lo and behold, the news headline that morning was Russia's ticked off at Israel now because they helped Ukraine out a couple months ago. And so now Russia and Iran are talking about joining this thing and coming at Israel. And I said, oh my goodness, the exact nations I've heard about since I was a little kid in the 80s. I've heard everybody talking about Russia, Iran, and then the Bible refers to a kingdom of the East, which every end time scholar says is China. Well, then China says, hey, we want a piece of the action too. We want to form this alliance. And so again, I just saw last week um, that one of the top United States congressmen said, listen, the new axis of evil, they're, they're already teaming up Russia, 
China, Iran. And ever since I was three years old, I've heard every preacher say, in the end, it's going to be Russia, Iran, and China team up against Israel. And and listen, as I dig a little deeper here, we're getting ready to get into this. This was just the review section of the sermon. But I'm not a conspiracy theory guy. I don't go chasing weird and wild things. I, I, st- I, I endeavor to stay very balanced and not sound like I'm cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. But what I know is... All these things the Bible said would happen are happening over the past three weeks and uh, especially over the past three years since 2020. And so I'm just here to read the Bible to you today, not add my opinion or my spin on it. I'm going to show you some things from the Bible. Again, some of these are going to sound wild, like a sci-fi movie. And I'm just going to read a lot out of the book of Revelation today. And then and let's just go into this, okay? And, and so as we dig in, um, I want to remind you again for the... 50th time since three weeks ago, born again Christians that are living for Jesus have nothing to fear, I believe. And I'm going to show you. In fact, well, you know what? I got so much here. Let's look for a minute. Uh, all right. This isn't on your notes, but just try to take notes. Okay. I couldn't fit everything on there, but, uh, we, we at this church, we do believe in a pre-tribulation rapture and there's a lot of, uh, <laughs> amen. There, and, 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 uh, it's a good thing, uh, but there are a lot of different uh, churches or Christians that don't believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. They think that the rapture will take place in the middle of it and, or after it's all over. And I just see a lot of biblical evidence to point to a pre-tribulation rapture. And so I'm going to say five things here. That's, I don't think it's on the screen, but you can try, kind of try to take notes. And here's five reasons uh, why I do believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. And again, if you're kind of new to us, today is a teaching session. This isn't so much preaching. This is teaching. And I'm trying to educate you today and get you some knowledge on what's going to take place. And the goal is that you would surrender your life to Jesus and actually live for him and avoid everything that we're going to talk about today. Who thinks that sounds like a pretty solid plan? I like that game plan. I like to get out of here before the bad stuff happens. But um, here, just some reasons for a pre-tribulation rapture. Well, in, in 2 Thessalonians 2, the apostle Paul speaks of something, something, someone that is standing in the way of the Antichrist being revealed. And it, it tells us, in fact, we're going to look at this sermon, this uh, verse later in the sermon but 2 Thessalonians 2 tells us that until this restrainer is removed, the Antichrist cannot be revealed. And so something is holding him back from showing up on the scene. Well, I believe that that something, that someone that is restraining him from coming onto the scene is the body of Christ, the church, the Christians. He can't do what he wants to do if we're all here. We've got too much Jesus. We've got too much Holy Spirit. We've got too much of the word of God in us that there's a plethora of reasons why he can't do what he wants to do if we're here, man. We would pray it down. We would, we would take authority over him. And all 
also we could simply point out who he is because we've read the Bible. Uh, and so another reason I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture is nobody will know the day or the time of Christ's return. It tells us that in Matthew 24, 44. Well, if that's the case, uh, we know that during the tribulation at exactly the three and a half year point uh, that the Antichrist is going to sit on in the temple in Jerusalem and proclaim to the world that he is the Messiah exactly three and a half years in. Well, if that takes place and we're here, then I could tell you the day and the time of Christ's return. Well, it's going to be on this exactly three and a half years from now. So that doesn't make any sense. Uh, here's another fun fact. Uh, the church is not mentioned in Revelation 6 through 18. These chapters cover the tribulation. It, it doesn't mention us being on planet earth, but it does mention us being in heaven at the marriage supper of the lamb and things like that. So uh, if we were going to experience the tribulation, we would most surely be included in the most detailed study of the tribulation that the Bible has. Who thinks of that? Probably makes a little bit of sense. All right. By the way, if you need an outline for the sermon, Jesse's itching to give you one. Can you just raise your hand real quick? Sorry, Jesse. <laughs> anyway, if you need an outline, raise your hand. He'll give you this. I'm trying to move fast because I'm going to try to cover like a lot of ground. Uh, here's another reason. Who wants another fun fact? Fun fact. All right. Um, the epistles. All right. The epistles in the New Testament are the most directed books of the Bible written to us very, very specifically. All the Bible is equally important. All the Bible is equally great. As I'm just telling you that the epistles are the most direct instructions given to the New Testament church. They contain no preparatory warnings for the tribulation for church age believers. They give instructions on a lot of other things, just not the tribulation to born again Christians. And here's my fifth reason this morning, because you're having so much fun already, is that God promises to keep us out of the worst of it all. And in Revelation 3.10, Jesus said, because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. And so who in here is aiming to keep the Lord's word. Amen. To stick with Jesus, to live for him. And so here's where we separate the men from the boys. Uh, this is where we separate, you know, the, the women of God from the fakers is that James 1 you're a doer of the word and not just a hearer only. It's never been more important in your life than it is right now to do God's word and not just hear God's word. All right. And so we're going to get into the, to the message now, uh, taking a look at the tribulation period. My aim and my goal is to encourage those that are living for the Lord that, that, Hey, we're going to be raptured. That's, that's one of my goals. And then I have a lot of people coming to me. I mean, I'm being inundated the last few weeks with text messages, uh, messages online, people trying to get a hold of me. Hey, what's going on? I'm terrified. Well, here's the deal. If you're living for the Lord, there's nothing to be afraid of. If you are not living for the Lord, there is a tremendous amount to be afraid of. And so I'm going to read some things this morning, again, that sound hard. I, I have never, and I'm reviewing my 16 years of full-time preaching, I have never gone this hard and this deep on this, but I've never in my heart and in my spirit felt that things were this deep and this heavy as they are right now. Uh, and so 
Am I saying that the rapture is going to take place this week? I'm not saying that. Am I saying that the war in Israel right now is the big one? I'm not saying that it is, but I'm definitely not saying that it's not the big one, okay? It very well could be. Jesus told us there were things called birth pains that we would experience before the end. And so is this simply a birth pain? Uh, Is this just simply another warning sign? Or is all of this really coming to a head for the big one? It could be, but I'm not promising that. I will say, if Israel is attacked from the north by Russia, Iran, and China gets involved, someone's like, well, where are you going to be? I'll probably be on the roof of the church with binoculars looking for Jesus. All right. I'm just saying, you can join me. I'll have some food and snacks while I'm waiting, but I'm probably going to be up there. You know, I just want to, I want a bird's eye view of this. So, uh, but you know, whatever, you can make fun of me, but I'm very excited as a Christian right now. I pray for those that are hurting, but I do believe that I get to be in heaven very soon. And I am really excited about that. I've been looking forward to this my entire life. So anyway, let's pray one more time and we're going to dig into the word of God. If you're a note taker, take some notes today. Try to keep up because we're going to do a, you know, a pretty, pretty serious study here. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we love you, we praise you, and I thank you so much for your goodness, for your mercy, that it endures forever and ever and ever, Lord. And and Lord, I pray that as we are opening up the Bible today, as we're studying your holy written word, that you will speak to each one of us here, Lord. Give us open hearts and open ears, Lord, to hear what you're saying. And I believe in Jesus' name that if we will be doers of the word and not hearers only, that, Lord we got some really glorious things ahead of us. We love you and praise you in Jesus name. Can someone say amen? amen? All right. Now let's take a look at the tribulation period. Uh, very interesting stuff. Again, not this isn't the type that you're going to jump up and down and shout amen and, and go running around the sanctuary, but it is, it's kind of somber, which is not my style, but I I got to preach the word of God to you people. So Matthew 24, and we're going to look at verses 15 through 22. Amen. Well, you could get slightly more excited than that. I mean, I'm just, uh, I'm, again, I'm not expecting cartwheels today, but I am expecting at least a solid amen here and there. All right. Uh, Matthew 24, Matthew 24, and we're going to look at verses 15 through 22. Now, this is Jesus' description of what we would call the great tribulation. And so to kind of theologically uh, and, and, and the eschatology sense of things, uh, the the whole seven-year period we call the tribulation. If you want to get super nerdy about it, the last three and a half years we refer to as the great tribulation. Heather wants to get really nerdy on it, so that's good. So the last three and a half years we kind of distinguish as being the great tribulation period, and that's the worst of it all when the Antichrist really uh, does his thing. But I believe that this section here is most specifically referring to the great tribulation, but either way, let's read it and let's Let's just determine that I don't want any part of this. So here's what Jesus said. Matthew 24, 15. The day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about. The sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. Reader, pay attention. There's not very many spots in the Bible that say something like that. So here's what Jesus says after the the sacrilegious object that causes desecration. That's the Antichrist standing in the holy place. 
verse 16, Jesus says, then those in Judea must flee to the hills. Go, run, hide. A person out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return even to get a coat. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and for nursing mothers in those days. And pray that your flight will not be in winter or on the Sabbath, for there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began, and it will never be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive, but it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. I mean, that that doesn't sound exciting at all. I don't want anything to do with that. And so according to Daniel chapter nine, the tribulation period will last seven years. Now the first three and a half years of the tribulation will begin immediately when the true Christians, okay, are raptured and pulled out of here. Boom. The clock starts for seven years. Now I believe you know, and, and probability that the United States will probably be affected a lot worse than a lot of places, uh, simply for this fact that we do have the highest percentage and number of Christians, uh, statistically of any nation in the world. And so you look at some of these countries, they do have Christians, uh, but let's say zero point, you know, I, I forget, I think Turkey um, is one of them that has the lowest percentage of Christians. Let's say you miss, you're missing 0.5% of your population. You're going to notice that, but it's not going to affect your whole country. Probably the United States, when you're potentially, I don't think it's 50%, but let's say 30% of, of the nation is instantly gone this nation will absolutely feel that effect. This economy will crumble overnight. It will. Uh, I believe our military is going to go from being the top world power to instantly just being in very, very bad, bad shape. Imagine all the businesses that will just be gone. All the people that, you know, the farmers that grew the food, gone. Uh, A lot of the truck drivers that delivered the food, gone. A lot of the people that sold the food, gone. It's going to, I mean, you have no idea what this is going to be like when a massive millions, millions of people are instantly gone. And I know this much, we've seen it before. When chaos instantly happens, people turn on each other. We saw it three years ago. People getting in fist fights over toilet paper and stuff. I mean, you know, it sounds funny, but it's the truth. People turn on each other when they realize like, oh my gosh, this is bad. Uh, there's going to be famine. There's going to be desperation. Revelation 6, 6 says that a loaf of bread will cost somebody their entire day wages. Imagine that if you still have a job, uh, that, that you, you're here and you work all day long not to pay the rent, not to pay the water bill, but it's going to take you a whole 8, 10, 12-hour day of busting your butt to come back so you can just give the family a loaf of bread at night. This is what I've got, guys. This is We're fortunate we've got this. Let's be thankful for a loaf of bread. And we know that you're probably risking your life to go from the store back home with that loaf of bread because desperate people will kill you for a loaf of bread. Well, preacher, that doesn't sound very, uh, very uplifting. 
I think it's my job to, to give the, you know, the, the most truthful look at what this could be like, even if it scares people, so they can say, I need to get right with God. I, I can't risk this. I feel like that's my job. And if you don't like that, then, you know, praise God. There's a lot of other great places around. All right. And so in Revelation 6, Revelation chapter 6, John sees Jesus holding a scroll in his hand that has seven seals on it, seven seals. And each time a different seal is broken off of it, a different judgment hits the earth until this seventh seal is broken off. And that's in Revelation chapter 8. Now, I believe the seven seals take place during the tribulation period while we're in heaven. Uh, some people don't believe that. They believe that some are happening right now, and that's fine. But I believe these seven seals are going to start being opened up after the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, the church is in heaven. And so um, I've listed, I've, I did put this on the screen exactly how I wrote it in my notes. Uh, and so uh, you can try to write this down, take a picture of it on the screen. I don't care. Uh, but this is what some of the, this is the seven seals being broken off. Uh, the first seal uh, releases the Antichrist, Revelation 6, 1 and 2. I'm not going to read all these verses, but if you want to follow along in your Bible while I'm talking about this, you can, or just make note that you can go and read about this later. But that first seal releases the Antichrist, which again, you don't want no part of that. The second seal causes a war to break out, verses 3 and 4, and it tells us all peace is removed from the earth. That's bad. And I know that while I'm here, I've got the peace which surpasses all understanding guarding my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. If I'm here, there's at least one little bit of peace on the earth. But listen, whenever we're out of here, this second seal, all peace will be removed from the earth. That is, you don't, you don't know what that's like. That's bad. That's horrendous. Uh, the third seal causes a famine. Thus, as we saw it said a minute ago, a loaf of bread will cost a whole day's wages. That's verses five and six. An extreme famine will break out over the earth. And you know, the shortages we saw during COVID were nothing compared to what this would be like. I mean, I got frustrated when I wanted to go to the store and get something and it was sold out or whatever. You know, it, it was bad. But, but believe me, the things that will take place will be nothing at all compared uh, to what is going to happen when this seal is broken. And I, again, during famines and, and upheavals, uh, crime is just astronomically bad. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about that. Crime would be really, really, really bad. Uh, the fourth seal, all right, it causes a quarter of the remaining population to die, it says, by violence, famine, disease, or wild animals. I don't want to die by any of those things. I'm not particularly fond of any of them. I don't want to get attacked by wild animals either. So, uh, about a quarter of the remaining population, it says, this is the Bible, not me, Revelation 6, 7 and 8, that a quarter of the remaining population will die by violence, famine, disease, or by wild animals. Now, here's an interesting one. In the fifth seal, John sees those who were left behind and murdered for their faith. We use the word martyr. Have you heard of the word martyr? That's somebody that dies for their faith. 
And if you don't make the rapture and you somehow have the strength to not deny Jesus through it all, though the overwhelming chance is, you know, not many people have the ability to stand through it. But if you somehow survive through this and don't deny Jesus, you can still make it to heaven somehow. But the, the chances are that you'll be murdered for your faith. Very high percentage chance that if you miss the rapture and you choose to repent and come to Jesus after the rapture while the rest of us are in heaven, you do have that option, high likelihood that he'll be martyred. And we can show you more of this in the Bible later, but very, very high likelihood. And in the fifth seal, John sees these people that have been murdered during the tribulation and didn't denounce Jesus again. Uh, they are in heaven. Then John has a vision of them. And that's a, a pretty, uh, you know, pretty sombering thing to look at. Uh, the, in the sixth seal, it's opened and it causes a massive earthquake that levels mountains and sinks islands. Uh, there's also several astronomical disasters that occur during this seal that, and that literally says that it causes stars to fall from the sky like figs from a tree. And so, you know, imagine, you know, we don't, I don't know if we got figs out here, but I grew up with apple trees and, and, you know, in the fall time, you just shake it and all the ripe fruit will fall to the ground. Well, John, as he's seeing this seal open, he sees just this shaking take place and stars just start falling to the sky like somebody was shaking a fig tree and they all came crashing down. And during this seal, uh, the sun turns dark and the moon turns blood red. And that's Revelation 6 verses 12 through 14. All right. Now the seventh seal. Uh, so chapter seven, it kind of skips the opening of the seals uh, for a minute and then go to chapter eight if you want to. And this is when the seventh seal is broken. And this is when the sci-fi really kicks in. But <laughs> the seventh seal, it's broken. And I, and I say sci-fi, I shouldn't say that, but I'm saying that's what we would imagine. This is not science fiction. This is, this is reality. Okay. And so, and the seventh seal is broken and it says all of heaven goes quiet for a half an hour. And heaven is a very loud place. There's rejoicing, there's singing, there's praises, there's celebrating Jesus, there's love, there's laughter. Heaven is wonderful and it's loud. And so if you don't like loud, I usually say you wouldn't like this church because we are very loud. Amen. We just want to be like heaven. Uh, but, but this is a very strange instance when this seventh seal is broken off of this scroll that Jesus is holding, all of heaven goes silent for the space of a half an hour. And I believe everybody's just like watching this and they're like, oh my gosh, what's getting ready to happen? And so in this instance, John sees seven angels who each have a trumpet. This is the seven trumpets. As each angel blows his trumpet, a new judgment is released on the earth. And these are really, really bad. Again, I don't want to stick around to see what this looks like. I want to go to heaven in the rapture. It's too risky to be around for this. I, I, I got to say no to some things in my life now because I got to be right with Jesus. But when these seven trumpets uh, are blown, some really horrendous things happen. This is in uh, Revelation chapter 9. But uh, for instance, one third of all the water in the world is poisoned. 
A lot of people die from poison water. Uh, uh, one of the craziest things on this list, a plague of locusts break out on the earth, but these locusts have stingers like scorpions. Revelation 9.3. They torture people for five months. I'm not making it's in the Bible. You can read it right now while I'm talking. Revelation 9 verse 3. These killer locusts, actually they aren't killer, unfortunately. They are these locusts. They have these stingers like scorpions. They torture everybody on earth for five months. And verse 6 of Revelation 9 says that people will be desperate to die. They will be begging, please let me die. But as part of the curse, they aren't allowed to die. They have to sit there and take it. Who wants to stick around for that one? Dude, I want to be in heaven with Jesus. I don't, I don't want to see any of this. And there's a lot more crazy things in there as the angels continue to blow the trumpets. But here's what I want to say. And we're going to look at Revelation 9, 20 through 21. Listen, you would think that out of all these things, Don't you think that would be enough for somebody to say, okay, I've had enough. I call on the name of the Lord. I'll repent. I'll turn. I'll I'll go to Jesus. I would think that would be enough. But the crazy thing is there is nothing as hard to break down as human stubbornness and human pride. Pride is the worst. (laughs) The worst thing, man, is pride. Because you can have people that have gone through this and because of their pride and their hard hearts and their stubbornness still reject Jesus. And you know, something interesting is, this isn't in my notes, I'm just shooting from the hip here, but in the gospels, there's a, a man named Lazarus, okay? And, and he's a poor man and he's had a bad life. And he used to, he would beg, right, at this rich man's front entrance gate. Well, in this story, uh, the rich man that was, you know, a cruel, mean Scrooge, he dies. And then the poor man, Lazarus, dies. And so Lazarus is what it says in Abraham's bosom. And the rich man is down there in hell burning, but somehow they can see each other. And so this rich man is begging and saying, Lord, please just send Lazarus back from the dead uh, to, to go tell my brother. Uh, the truth and, or, or go send go send somebody let them see a miracle then they would believe and and jesus said something so profound he's he, he I, i'm summing this up okay i'm paraphrasing but he's like these guys have such hard hearts even if they saw a miracle they still wouldn't believe even if lazarus he says even if moses came and appeared to them and told them the truth because of their hard hearts they still wouldn't believe and I know people that they could see the dead raised right in front of them. And because of their pride and their arrogance and their hard hearts, they so want to be right. They could see a miracle take place and still reject Jesus. You probably know people. I know people in Barstow that God has done miraculous life-saving things to them. Yet they still refuse to serve him. They still won't do something as basic as go to church on a Sunday morning. Why? Because if you've got pride and you've got a hard heart, until that hard heart is softened and, 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 and you have been humbled, you'll keep rejecting Jesus, even if you see a miracle take place right in front of you. Jesus said it. And so look at this. Revelation 9, verses 20 through 21 
And so after all these horrendous things, but the people who did not die in these plagues still refused to repent of their evil deeds and turn to God. They continued to worship demons and idols made of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood. Idols that can neither see nor hear their walk. Now look at this, verse 21. And they did not repent of their murders or their witchcraft or their sexual immorality or their thefts. Wow, don't you think that out of going through all of that, it would be enough to change your heart. Some people, they value their own pride more than the salvation of their soul. We see it every single week. And so I want to assure you again for the, I think this is, I said 50 times earlier. This is about 55 times, okay? 55th time. (laughs) I want to assure you again that those who are living for Jesus will not be here for this stuff. But it's terrible to imagine for those who will be. I'm choosing to live for Jesus. Now, I wasn't going to say this, but I guess I'm going to say it because the Lord told me to say it. So, you know, if you don't like this, get mad at Jesus, not at me. Uh, but in Galatians 5 and uh, 1 Corinthians 5, it gives a list of those that simply will not inherit the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And it lists a whole bunch of things that people don't like. At the top of this list is sexual immorality. And so I just encourage you... Uh, if you are living together and you're like, well, don't, don't get into this, Pastor Dave. This isn't in your business. Again, I'm just trying to, you know, do what the boss man tells me to do. Uh, if you're living together, you, listen to me. <laughs> this is, you might think this is so over the line. If you are having intimate relations with each other and you're not a married according to God's standard, the Bible calls that fornication, okay? Galatians 5, 1 Corinthians 5 and chapter 6, and it says those people will not inherit the kingdom of God. And that scares me because I got so many wonderful people that I love that that would fit into that boat. And so if you're just not going to get married, you know, praise God for that. But according to the Bible, okay, this isn't me, not my opinion. You really need to watch yourself because uh, we know you love each other and all this stuff. But according to scripture, it's not worth risking heaven over. It is not worth being here for the tribulation period. And so I will do your wedding. I promise you, I love you. I'll do your wedding. I'll hook you up. I'll even do it for free. Okay. (laughs) That's how serious I am. I'll do your wedding. Okay. Even if you, uh, you know, I'll do it, but I love you and I don't want you getting left behind. That's how much I love you. Okay. And so we can fix this extremely quick. And if you're in some other kind of sexual immorality, uh, you know, you need to get that handled. It's not my business. You need to get that handled. You will not go to heaven if you are making that your lifestyle. Now, it's not saying, well, that happened one time back in the day, and, and I'm sorry. That's, that's one thing to have committed a sin or you used to do a sin. But if you are currently, actively, unapologetically living in that lifestyle, that's a different thing. Mark it down, Galatians 5, right? 1 Corinthians 5 and 6. Uh, you just, uh, you just, it says that you will not inherit the kingdom of God. All right. Let's talk about the Antichrist. That was fun. Number two, let's go, huh? <laughs> wow. 
I want to go home and eat that chicken tortilla soup that my wife is cooking at home in the crock pot right now. I want to go home. I got a cowboy show on the DVR I was going to watch after church too. So I want to get to that. Let me finish this and then, you know, let's go. Amen. Uh, believe me, as much fun, as much as you're not having fun down there, I'm not having fun up here. Let's go. Number two, the antichrist the Antichrist. I want to talk about this because the Bible talks about this. And so while the whole world is falling apart, okay, after the Christians are gone, this is during the first part of the tribulation, a leader will arise who will seem to have answers and can help, okay? A leader's going to arise because everybody's going to be in chaos, pandemonium, searching for answers. Well, there's going to be somebody arrive on the scene that at first seems very good. This person will seem like they have peace. They seem like they've got answers. They're going to seem like they're an economic genius, like they can put an end to all the wars. In fact, they're going to broker a peace treaty between Israel and all the nations fighting with them. It'll be a fake thing, obviously, but he will broker a peace treaty and everybody is going to come together under a one world type of a government. And and we think, well, that, that's not possible. Listen, all these nations that are sovereign, independent nations, they're just going to, hey, let's just all team up and be one. That's the only hope that we have. And so let's have one leader to rule us all. This leader will be the Antichrist. And so there would be basically a one world government, a one world currency, you know, like Europe, they're all going under one currency. So you kind of see some of the beginning steps of all of this. Uh, but, but here's the thing about, uh, this, this antichrist, um, you see this one world government. And again, what I'm getting ready to say now is just, it's factual. I, I believe this. Um, but I believe personally, as there would be a one world government, I, I, I kind of think that uh, the United Nations is a little bit of a precursor to all of this, to be honest with you. And, uh, and here's the fun fact about the United Nations. They hate Israel already. They really do. And, and, and here, this is a fact, okay? You can look it up. Since 2015, the United Nations has adopted 140 resolutions against Israel. Now get this. And against the, all the other nations of the world. Iran, North Korea, the Taliban, Hamas, all these terrorist organizations combined. They've only had 68 resolutions saying anything against them. Against Israel, 140. A tiny nation. And remember last week, we found out a fun fact. The entire nation of Israel is less than half the size of San Bernardino County. And the whole world is fighting over this little speck that's this big. It's 8,500 square miles San Bernardino County is 20,000 something square miles. It's insane that they can't all just, you know, okay, we've got a huge plot of land. Let's just know. And why is that? Because the Lord said that this is what's going to happen. And so, uh, I believe that the Antichrist will have a, a heavy involvement in the United Nations. Okay. There's my spiel. That may be the only soapbox thing I kind of say that's not specifically in scripture, but that's my opinion. Okay. All right. Now, I want you to look at 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, and 4. 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, and 4. Amen. Wow, what a day, huh? What a day. 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, and 4. 
And again, people are searching for answers right now. And, and the only place that I believe we're going to get right answers is just straight from the Bible. Straight from the Bible. So 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 3 and 4. 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 3 and 4. And so the Apostle Paul is writing about the end times here. He says, Don't be fooled by what they say, for that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. This is the Antichrist. He's the man of lawlessness. Verse 4, he will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is God. And Jesus referred to that moment in Matthew 24 and Daniel and Daniel 9. And this is that moment where the sacrilegious object of desecration sits in the holy place. And, and so uh, there will be about the midpoint of the tribulation exactly... Actually, it'll be exactly the midpoint of the tribulation where everybody's kind of agreed, okay, this is the man that has the answers. This is the leader. He will literally, in several places in the Bible tell us, be at the temple in Jerusalem and from that spot tell the whole world, hey, I am God. People will believe it. People will believe it. And from the next three and a half years, that is when the worst of the worst takes place. This is when he'll turn from being the peace man with the answers to being, I mean, Hitler times 500. Bad, 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 bad. The second half of the tribulation will be the great tribulation. And, um, and, and, and so anyway, there's just a lot of information right now about getting the temple rebuilt in Jerusalem and all this stuff. There's a lot taking place. Uh, but I want you to look down here at verses 6 through 8. Again, I referred to this in the very beginning of the message that I believe we will not be here when the Antichrist is revealed. Uh, I believe something is holding him back, and I believe it's you that's holding him back. Verses 6 through 8, it says, And you know what is holding him back, for he can be revealed only when his time comes. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly, and it will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. I believe that's the body of Christ, the church. And then when we're removed, then the man of lawlessness will be revealed. But the Lord Jesus will kill him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. Woo! The battle of Armageddon. Who's ready? All right, we'll go to that. That's another week. We'll talk about Armageddon another week. We don't have time for it all today. But, oh, it's coming, people. And Jesus will kill the beast, the Antichrist, and all of his army in just a one-hit fight. It's going to be something to see. Amen? All right. Now, more fun facts about the Antichrist. He will be an amazing deceiver and liar. And people will believe his lies. He will also have the ability to perform some miracles. Look at verse 9. Verse 9. It says, This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. And so he'll do some miraculous things and people will be like, Oh my gosh, he has to be God. He did this over here. He has to be, you know, the great one. Now, the book of Revelation refers to him as the beast, okay? Revelation 13, stick with me now. Revelation 13, 
I told you that today we're just kind of, we're going a little bit of a deeper level of teaching. Now, what's the point in even talking about all of this? Why would we even, well, one, I want you to be educated on the Bible. Who thinks that you should have some sort of Bible knowledge? Yeah. All right. Uh, and, and my goal is that you would hear all of this and choose to live for Jesus and stick as close to him as you can. And also to be frank about it, uh, I believe that unfortunately, even some people from our, in my realm of influence, even some people that potentially go to this church could be left behind because they don't live for Jesus. And my goal is that you at least know what's coming ahead. And you know, someone's like, well, that sounds mean. Well, you know what? I just got to be real. And, um, and I'm going to show you a few things at the very end, probably some tips for if you are left behind. But uh, Revelation 13, verses 5 and 6, Revelation 13, verses 5 and 6, it says, Then the beast was allowed to speak great blasphemies against God, and he was given authority to do whatever he wanted for 42 months. That's three and a half years. And he spoke terrible words of blasphemy against God, slandering his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. And so the beast, as it refers to him right here, uh, hates God. Antichrist hates Christ, hates Jesus, hates everything that has to do with it. And don't be deceived. He will hate anybody that is a follower of Jesus. And so there, it would be a very, very rough time to be on planet earth if you are a Christian. And so there's going to be people that did live for Jesus and got lukewarm and walked away and got left behind. And now they're stuck here. And sadly, you know, the rest of us, we will not be here. Uh, but there will be some that walked away from Jesus and they're left behind. There will be some people that never lived for Jesus, but somehow during this period received Jesus as their Lord and Savior for the first time. The pressure and the intensity that will be against these people will be very, very intense, very intense. And so I'm going to tell you, this beautiful church building that we gather in weekly with hundreds of people, it's not going to be like this. And you think I'm joking, but I'm going to say like, hey, we'll leave the keys. You can have the building when we're gone. Seriously, gather together. Anybody that's left behind, you can have it all. You can have my house. I don't care. You can have that too. But, but, but. But here's the thing. Don't think that you're just going to freely come in here and have the freedom of worship that these, this terrible United States gives to us, this awful country that everybody hates. Listen, you've got freedom of religion, freedom to worship God how you saw fit. Amen. Right now, you should thank God for it every stinking day. Amen. I've been to, I've been to Russia, man. I've spent time in Russia when I was 15. It's awful. Okay. It's, I can't explain it. I've been to communist nations and, and, and it, you don't get to do this. You just don't, uh, this freedom that we have to gather. My ancestors, uh, 10 generations ago, I think came over on the Mayflower from England because the King of England said, you can worship God, but you got to do it how the government says you can do it. You have to go to the government-sponsored church and worship God in the way that your government says you can worship God. Well, I had my 10th grade grandpa was like, uh, no, uh, take a hike. We'll go somewhere else. So they got on a boat and came a couple thousand miles across the Atlantic Ocean for the freedom 
of religion that we have today. But listen, when the Antichrist is here and it's all this one world government, you're not going to have this opportunity as you have right now. It's not going to be this way. You, I would pray would gather together if you can find anybody else that's a Christian. It's probably not going to be in a nice heated or air-conditioned building, you know, with HD screen and a, a live worship band and a coffee bar, sipping our pumpkin spice lattes in October, amen, wearing incredible cardigans like this one. It's probably not going to happen, amen, probably not going to happen. Uh, and so I just encourage you, again, be right with Jesus. Don't stick around. Uh, and here's the third thing I'll talk about today. Then I, I will shut up. I will go home and eat my soup and take a nap. And you all don't have to hear from me again until like Wednesday, okay? So uh, number three, let's talk about the mark of the beast, okay? Let's talk about the mark of the beast because most of you have heard of this, but a lot of people do not know what this is. And so as the world comes under a one uh, world government and leader, it's also going to come into one currency. Now, I don't know. We can just speculate. Um, I doubt that it's going to be paper money because <laughs> it's already going to the wayside. Uh, it's probably going to be some sort of a digital currency. And you will use this currency by receiving what the book of Revelation calls the mark of the beast. And that's Revelation 13. Let's flip over there. Revelation 13. Amen. Are you learning anything today? Fun stuff? Revelation 13. And we're going to look at verses 16 through 18. It says, He required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead. And nobody could buy or sell anything without that mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. Now, wisdom is needed here. Let the one with understanding solve the meaning of the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. And so this, you all, you know, a lot of Christians know, well, we don't like 666. They don't know why we don't like it. Well, we don't like it because this is the mark of the beast. Now, without getting too far out there, there is, you know, numbers do have some significance in the Bible, okay? The number of seven usually represents the completion of a thing. Uh, uh, you know, like uh, G, uh, the earth was created, right? And, and God rested on the seventh day. It was complete. Well, the number of six in Scripture typically represents man, the power of man. And so this beast is, uh, his number is the number of man, 666. Now it says people will not be allowed to buy or sell without having his mark. Now I'm going to tell you, <laughs> once you get his mark, heaven is closed. You, you don't get to go to heaven after you receive his mark. I'll show you that in just a second. But this is a really bad spot to be in. Imagine you're here on earth and the only way that you can purchase anything is to go ahead and get this mark. Imagine, you know, you're, you had a baby during the tribulation period because I believe that children that are alive already will be raptured when Jesus takes us. I believe that. 
But there are going to be pregnant women and such that have babies during the tribulation. Okay, imagine you need food for your baby. Imagine that you're, you know, again, this sounds, you know, so hardcore. Imagine you're starving and you just want to, you know, you, you, you need food. You need water. The water's been poisoned. And, and, and you're desperate for these basic things. And the only way to get it, yes, we'll gladly give it to you, but you're going to need. Everybody's going to get this. They got to get this mark. And so we speculate that the mark is some sort of a chip planted in your hand where you can just scan it at the checkout. And you see bits of this. I've seen it in our, I think, um, uh, Holland, I think, did something like this. But, you know, you, you, you see this kind of arriving on the scene. So I think it's a fair speculation to see that it would be something like this where you can't buy anything unless you get this. You can't sell anything on Facebook Marketplace. You can't... Uh, you can't get a job without complying. And again, I, let me just say this. I'm not an anti-vax person. I know most in our church got it. Good for you. That's awesome. I am against a force of the government saying, you have to do this or you can't get a job anymore. And I think that this was kind of a super good uh, precursor, a super good test to see, you know, who would just go along with what they're being forced into. Again, that's no condemnation. I think most of our church got it, and that's fine. I, I salute you. I applaud you. If, that, if your heart was good with that, you did the right thing. For those that your heart was adamantly against it, but you just hadn't, they were going to fire you. Again, I don't blame you. I don't judge. That's fine. I don't care. Most of my family got it, and I'm fine with that. I'm just saying, do you see the power of leadership to force you to get something you don't want to get? Or else, no, you can't, you can't have a job anymore. You can't buy. You can't sell. You can't cross the state lines. You can't, I was in New York City. I wanted to see Christ Cathedral in Manhattan and they wouldn't let me go in at the church because I didn't have, you know, I didn't have a vax card with me. And I'm like, I can't even go to church in New York without a vax card. (laughs) Anyway, I thought it was funny. But at the same time, I wanted to see it. It's a a historic church, but they kicked me out. So here's the thing is just know this much. The pressure (laughs) will be immense. And I don't think that if you don't have the power to live for Jesus right now, I just don't think you're going to have the power to live for him then. And I don't think you're going to have the power to go to the death for him without getting this mark and without a supernatural help from God. If you can't live for Jesus now in this environment, you're probably fooling yourself if you say, okay, if I am here, I won't get that. Probably will. And, and what I want to show you is down here in uh, chapter 14, verses 9 through 11. Hey, I warned you today that this is going to be hard, deep. <laughs> this was not going to be, you know, uh, our Pentecostal runaround service. But Revelation 14, 9 through 11 it says, then a third angel followed them shouting, anyone who worships the beast and his statue or who accepts his mark on the forehead or on the hand must drink the wine of God's anger. It has been poured full strength into God's cup of wrath. 
and they will be tormented with fire and burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the lamb. That's talking about hell. The smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever, and they will have no relief day or night, for they have worshiped the beast and his statue and have accepted the mark of his name. Okay, I didn't expect any amens on that. That's I get it, but that's hard, man. And so why in the world would you want to be here for this? Why in the world would I risk this for a temporary fix right now for a a temporary little bit of fun on the side, a temporary, you kidding me? Not a chance in the world. I want to be as far away from this junk as I can possibly be. I don't want nothing to do with this. And so again, opinion on my end, the antichrist is probably alive right now and being set up for his time. I think, uh, you know, again, none of us can prove that, but, uh, many people are afraid of even hearing the phrase antichrist or mark of the beast. I encourage you for the 56th time now, maybe it's the 57th. I lost count that if you are connected to Jesus and living for him, you are not going to be here for this. You're going to be in heaven. So I want to say this. I'm going to kind of start winding things down. Um, I'm going to tell you some tips what to do if you miss the rapture. Now, I was going to do a whole sermon on this, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to give you like four minutes about it. But uh, Dr. Mark T. Barclay, you guys know Dr. Barclay, comes to our church from Michigan. He has a sermon on, uh, you can watch it on YouTube, that he did a few years ago. And the whole sermon is about what to do if you miss the rapture. Really worthwhile watching this, but I've taken a few things that he said there, and I think that it's worth saying. And and you may again think like, well, man, these guys are conspiracy theorists. They're cuckoo for cocoa puffs. They're blah blah blah. Like, hey, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. <laughs> but here's a few tips uh, on things to do if you were to miss the rapture. These aren't on the screen because I wasn't going to share this until like. 10 minutes before the service and I decided to go ahead and share it. So uh, number one, if you miss the rapture, repent immediately. Cry out to God immediately. If you're a parent and your kids are raptured, you know. If if the majority of this church is gone and, and people that you knew were serving the Lord are gone, fall to your knees in that moment. Repent, apologize, cry out for mercy to Jesus. That's the first thing you should do is repent uh, and I can't stress that enough. Get really good at repenting and crying out to Jesus. The second thing I would tell somebody is you need to have a hard copy of the Bible. You should have a hard copy of the Bible because this copy, and I love my Bible app. It's great. You know, I, there's a lot of great stuff on there, but listen, what if the electricity goes out and you can't charge your Bible anymore? What if you have, what, God forbid, we have no Wi-Fi. Oh my gosh. What if we have no Wi-Fi, no cell phone tower? What if they just, as I found out they can do, I didn't know this until a couple of years ago. What if the server that hosts your favorite app just decides to shut it down? I found out they can do that. And so what if they just totally shut off that app from working anymore? Well, then you have no access to the Bible. And so I love the Bible app. I've used it already this morning several times. I love the Bible app. I sometimes use it up here. But 
listen, you better have a hard copy of the Bible uh, that they can't just shut the electricity off to. Because I can still read this even if my Wi-Fi's out. I found that out a while back. And so you should be able to do that. And again, this may sound so far-fetched and crazy. I would, you know, honestly, I would have a couple. I would hide some in different spots. <laughs> so if they, I'm just telling you, I would want access to the Bible. If they get this one, I've got one hidden somewhere else. Okay, I just want to say that. Um, a third thing I would do if I missed the rapture is I would locate other Christians other people that missed it, but have decided to repent and turn to Jesus, I would locate them as soon as possible and have some sort of a, uh, a network together, some sort of a gathering. I would form some sort of a, a church in a safe place. I don't know. There's a good cave right over there driving, but uh, I, don't know. I was, you think I'm joking. I'm kind of am, but I kind of not. So I would find something like that where you could gather. Um, and again, you can have the keys to this building. I'm fine with that. Uh, but just don't think that you can gather in some big public place and the authorities aren't going to come after you because they are. All right. Um, number four, pray to God that you have the endurance to not give in to the pressure to receive the mark. I would pray to God that I somehow have the strength and the endurance to not give in to the pressure to receive the mark of the beast. And, you know, that, there's probably a lot more things we could say with. If I was going to do a whole sermon on it, I would probably say more things. But those are four immediate things I would do instantly if I missed the rapture. And again, uh, I'm, going to, I'm getting ready to close out. This is one of the longest sermons I've done in a long time. But there will be a handful of people, there will be, somehow, some way, there will be a small handful of people that make it all the way through the seven years without tapping out, without giving in, and with somehow, I don't know how, but somehow they don't get martyred for their faith. They somehow don't get murdered. There will be a small handful, uh, and they get to go to heaven with us after the battle of Armageddon. And so, uh, to bring it all in, to, you know, try to everything to bring it in. I don't want to be in that small group. I want, to, I want to be in heaven throughout these seven years. I want to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I want to be eaten with Jesus. I want to be bowing down at the throne of Jesus. I want to be celebrating heaven with all of you people and with all, you know, my family that's gone on before me. That's where I want to be. But I want to close out with one encouraging verse, okay? Last verse, and then we're going to wind things down. One more verse, 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. And again, this is, I want to end on a, on a positive note. This is to encourage you that our Christians, not just in word, but in word and deed, your, 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 your fruit aligns with your words, amen? And so 1 Thessalonians 5, Verse 9, this is for you. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger or his wrath upon us. And so you were not appointed under wrath. You were not created for the anger of God to come on, okay? You have the power of choice to choose who you will serve. Choose this day who you will serve. Amen. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. 
Well, let's go ahead and stand up together. And again, I, I get it. This is just not the topic of, <laughs> that everybody wants to hear about. Uh, but this is real. Did we see these things in the Bible today? Did you see, did you look at Revelation 6 while we were talking? Did you see the locust with the scorpions torturing people for five months? I didn't make that up. I just read it out of the Bible, okay? Yeah, we, we saw these things and it, and it sounds like, yeah, that sounds like that would never happen. I'm just telling you, man, that so many things that the Bible predicted and prophesied would happen have Happened. The Bible called out World War II. The Bible called out the Holocaust. It, it, it called it out. The Bible called out Israel becoming a nation again in 1948, and it happened. It, it, the Bible called them getting Jerusalem again, like they did in, I, I think it was 67. It, it, it happened just like the Bible said. And so don't say that could never happen. Believe me. Oh, yeah, it's going to happen. And here's the thing. As we look at these things, I understand for some people, we're just sitting here like, wow, that's incredible. Some of us are like, man, I can't wait to get to go to heaven. And then some people, they're scared. And they rightfully should be scared because they are not where they need to be with Jesus. And so, again, I can't lay my head on a pillow at night and be okay if I did not give you the chance, okay, to get things right with God. I'll answer to God. I know that. I know that I'll answer to God for what I did down here. And if he's going to, I'm going to look at him someday and he's going to look at me and I don't want him to say, why in the world did you not tell people the truth and you knew it? Why didn't you give them the chance? Well, I don't want to hurt no one's feelings. I didn't. No, listen, I'm going to give the opportunity and what you do with that, that's on you. And I know that. And, uh, and, and so I, you know, well, there's this old saying, you can't lead a horse to water and make him drink. I can't just preach the gospel to you and make you receive it. You got to receive it. I can't throw the football and catch it too. I to pass it out there. What you're going to do with it is your business. And so I'm going to give you a chance to get things right with God right now. And I already know statistically from Jesus parable of the sower sowing the word. I statistically, I'm going to throw this out there like we just did for, I think I preached over an hour today, which I never do, but I just threw this out there for over an hour today. Statistically, some of you, the seed landed on a soft heart and you're going to say, you know what? I want, I want Jesus. Some of you have a hard heart. You have pride. And because of your pride, you heard the truth, but you're too embarrassed to say, you know what? I've been wrong. I need Jesus. Statistically, I know that that's going to happen. And I, you know, I'm not making a bad confession, but if even Jesus, someone out there couldn't hit a hundred percent, I know that I, I, I'm certainly not doing any better than Jesus did. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer today, okay? Like we do every single week. Over the past two weeks, 19 people have laid down their pride and said, I need Jesus. I don't care if it's embarrassing. And our spiritual personal trainers, they are, they've all got several people apiece that they're mentoring right now. They're staying busy and that's what I want, okay? So again, I'm going to, Throw it out there. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. 
But after that, I'm not going to ask you to just quietly go out the door and, and, and go about your business. I'm going to do what Jesus said to do. I'm going to ask you to acknowledge Jesus in front of other people. Because I swear, if you can't acknowledge him right now, do not lie to yourself and think that you'll stand up for Jesus when the beast is here and the Antichrist. And they say, do you believe in Jesus? No, I, 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 no, no, that's not me. You don't want to deny Christ. I know this is hardcore, but this is the only way to get people's attention these days. So I'm going to pray with you, and then I'm going to give you the chance to come over here to Jose and give him your information so we can connect with you, okay? And so I want to I pray with you right now. And again, I know the Lord's working on hearts. That's between you and God. I encourage you to surrender. You will never have a better chance than you have right now. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes? I want to pray together today. Say this with me. Father, Father in Jesus' name, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died. I believe that he died. That he rose again. That he rose again. Jesus, Jesus forgive, me forgive me for anything wrong I've done. Anything wrong I've done. I promise to live for you. Live me. Give me the strength. Give me the strength. My life is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord some praise together today? All right, listen, if that's you, this is Jose right here. He's coming right over here. I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith. Jesus said, if you deny me in front of people, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. If you will acknowledge me, let's hear it for our sister right here. Come on. He said, if you will acknowledge me in front of people, I'll acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. And so I ask you to take that step of faith. Well, someone's looking. There's going to be a lot more people looking someday. I ask you to go see Jose. He'll get your information. We will connect you with what we call a spiritual personal trainer. They will pair up with you over the next month. They're going to text you some Bible verses and a devotion every day. They're going to pray for you every day. If you have questions, they'll answer those questions the best they can. If they need a direction to me or someone else, they can do that too. But we're going to help you the best that we can to live for Jesus. Amen. All right, let's give the Lord one more shout of praise this morning. All right, let's come up. Uh, my prayer team, can I have the prayer team come up this morning? If you're here and you need prayer for anything at all, let's pray for you today. Uh, whatever your need is, we want to pray for you. We've got a team of people that are anointed in prayer. We want to be there for you. I ask you again that if you don't need prayer, don't start watching TikTok. Don't start checking fantasy football. Don't start talking about lunch. Pray for those that do need prayer. Or a super good idea would be to just worship God and talk to him on your own right there for a few minutes. Be reverent for five more minutes. Amen. If you need prayer, come on up this morning. Amen. In the darkness we were waiting Without hope, without light Till from heaven you came running There was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets To a virgin came the word On a throne of endless glory To a cradle in the dirt 
Father are restored 
the church of Christ was born Then the Spirit lit the flame Now this gospel truth of old Shall not kneel, shall not faint By His blood and in His name In His freedom I am free For the love of Jesus Christ Which has resurrected me the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one, God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one, God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of kings. some some heavy topics and I understand I can tell you now not every church or preacher will talk about those things because that's not a way to become popular that's not a good <laughs> not a good way to get people to like you but that's okay I want Jesus to like me I want Jesus to like us and approve of us so we're not gonna shy away from the truth that is in the word of God we'll always give you the truth amen uh, so want to remind you that we have service tonight at six o'clock come on back uh, pastor's gonna be talking about healing how to receive divine healing uh, from the word of God. It's going to be very, very important for us. And our parenting class 
intentional parenting. This is the last session uh, tonight. And I, I heard that you may have a little party or get together. So, you know, that you guys do that. And uh, we got, just got a lot coming up over the next season as we get into the busy holiday season. As long as we're still here and not in heaven, we're going to have some great fun. Okay. Uh, so it's going to be awesome. Uh, but just thank you everybody for this great weekend. We love you and we appreciate you. And if you are interested in getting married, uh, <laughs> I'll do it. I just want to throw that out there one last time. That's my advertisement. Uh, and, uh, and we'll, we'll hook you up. Okay. Let's go ahead and close in prayer today and we'll see you this evening. Hallelujah. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in the Word of God today. And Lord, we understand this isn't the stuff that we read every day. This this is some hard stuff, Lord. This is some very uh, sobering things, uh, some very serious stuff that we've read, Lord. But we also understand that some very serious things are taking place in our world right now. And we're not surprised because you told us they were going to happen, and they are happening just like you said they would. And so, Jesus, we're not caught off guard, but we are very serious and we want our loved ones. We want our friends and family to be right with you. And so I pray in Jesus' name that you're helping us to be the light of the world and to preach the gospel everywhere we go, Jesus. We, we look forward to that day. We are ready to hear that trumpet. We are ready to see the sky split right open and see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with great glory. We want to go to heaven, Jesus. Help us to be prepared for this moment. We love you so much, and we thank you that you're with us every day, every step until then. We praise your name in Jesus' name. Can somebody say amen today? Hallelujah. Let's speak some words of faith over Barstow, and then you can be dismissed. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, 